We've got even more perks disappearing at Disney World, Disneyland sends pass holders packing, and Disney Paris won't be opening anytime soon. It's one of those episodes all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to the Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's still in shock that Monsters, Inc. came out 20 years ago. Man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. I have a dream. Every other week, we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Worth noting as well, we are recording on MLK Day. Uh, if you did not know that, it would be a very strange thing to hear Henry say that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> if you're around him, uh, you know, you guess you get used to that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Just randomly sh- uh, shouting out uh, Martin Luther King Jr. quotes uh, throughout the day. Yeah. Well, I mean. Just another day. You know, well, I have a dream that everybody will get along together at Disneyland. Oh, man. Well, you know, yeah, especially these days. That sounds pretty good because, dude, what happened to 2021 being the light at the end of the tunnel we were all hoping for? Oh, man. It's been it's been a, a rough launch to a year that was supposed to be full of hope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's getting it's getting all of the uh the bad juju out of the way like right up front. Yeah. But I mean there is there is hope on the horizon, but yeah. there's there's but there's going to be you know the storm before <laughs> before the before the light. Yeah, that's right, that's right, Henry. Let's keep keep that hope alive, man. Who was it that said it's always darkest before the dawn? Was that Iron Man? <laughs> what movie was sure. that? Was that uh, Doctor Strange? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> No? No. Different company. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but speaking of speaking of that though, before we get too deep into all of the uh the bad stuff, have you seen WandaVision yet? I have not yet. We haven't either. We're excited. We're looking forward to it. It looks great. It's getting good reviews. Yeah, I was just kind of I, I mean, it's hard to get a time for me and the the wife to where we're both awake. <laughs> She's been working quite a bit lately, so uh, it's been hard to keep her awake. I tried to watch some uh, a, a Godzilla movie the other night, and she fell asleep on me. So yeah, yeah. It uh, you know you get the idea thinking like, hey, we're all working from home. I guess I guess in Lori's case she isn't, but uh, you know we're all home a lot more. We should have all this time to be catching up on all this stuff and. Have no problem. Yeah, my uh, I would say that my watching and streaming habits definitely have gotten worse since uh, since being home. I don't know if it's that like I'm trying to do other stuff and keeping busy with other stuff, or I don't know. Yeah, it's just I'm looking forward to that. When is uh, reminding me when the Winter Soldier and Falcon come out? I believe that's in or is March. It Falcon and Winter Soldier March. See, that's coming up too, man. Whew. I mean, there's a lot of like just sheer amount of like streaming stuff coming out for for them, and then also Netflix. There's just 
a ton of stuff that's supposed to be releasing this year. So, I mean, I'm yeah. having a difficult time keeping up with it all. Yeah. Well, it's like Mandalorian just ended. We did, we did catch up on that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's finally, it's, I feel like, you know, this is perhaps the year I know that, you know, the big announcement, this was technically last year, I guess, but uh, the big announcement kind of looking forward with Disney was that they were going to be focusing significantly heavier on digital distribution and streaming content, which I guess makes sense given the climate. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it seems like Disney plus is, is a smashing success. So yeah, why wouldn't you support that? So, you know, it seems like, uh, it seems like this year, especially next year, it's really gonna, it's really gonna start exploding it last year. Uh, it felt a little slim pickings, uh, you know, at certain points, but, but yeah, I'm looking forward to just a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they, they keep, teasing all this stuff especially like netflix has all these uh movies that are, i guess what they're supposed to release one a week or something like that this year, yeah it's that's just it's crazy insane. it's insane man what what a world huh <laughs> well dude we have delayed the inevitable for long enough the uh the big bomb coming out of disneyland this past week is that the 37-year-old annual passholder program, as we know it, is no more. On Thursday, we got an email sent out to all passholders. I didn't get it. I don't get any emails from, uh, from Disney. I guess uh, I'm not on their passholder program, even though they certainly didn't have a problem taking my, uh, my payment for my pass. Uh, they won't give me an email. That's fine, though. Uh, but anyway, in that email... President of Disneyland, Ken Potrock, said the following, quote, due to the continued uncertainty of the pandemic and limitations around the reopening of our California theme parks, we will be issuing appropriate refunds for eligible Disneyland resort annual passports and sunsetting the current program. We are currently developing new membership offerings that will utilize consumer insights to deliver choice, flexibility, and value for our biggest fans. Uh, so yeah, to be clear, they part of that, as he called out, was that refund. If you're a pass holder, they're basically uh, calculating the value of whatever remained on your pass after the closure date and just refunding you whatever that calculated amount is. So it's like a prorated refund. Um, but anyway, Henry, just before I get into it, what are your initial thoughts on this? I've, I've been so curious to chop it up with you about this. Well, I mean, for one thing, people have lost their mind on this. This is, I yeah. mean, it's huge news because even my father, who doesn't keep up with this stuff, like, to ask me, like, you know, he's like, hey, did you hear about this? And I was like... <laughs> wow, even you've heard about this. Yeah. Uh, Breaking news. Yeah, I mean, it It doesn't surprise me. I think they're, they're taking this chance, this opportunity to overhaul their program so that, because there's going to be definitely changes um, yeah. because of COVID and stuff. So I think a lot of people, I think they got a lot of feedback, at least from uh, Magic Kingdom, uh, I imagine that uh, people were unhappy with how, I guess, the reservation system works and their pass and their, like, you know, their annual pass holder. And they 
maybe didn't feel as special as they should. Um, so I think this is a good time to kind of like take into all these considerations of like reservation system. How does that, you know, work with uh, the annual pass uh, holders and stuff and all this, these other new functionalities and, and also like, uh, you know, new additions on how to charge people for early <laughs> entries yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think, I think they're basically going to find new ways to charge you for more. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it, uh, certainly, I mean, that is one thing that they have shown, uh, that they aren't afraid of and will consistently, that is expected every year is just, there will be some new, like not only we're going to get price increases, but like there's going to be some new aspect. Like last year, it was going from their kind of tiered system to their dynamic pricing, which, you know, I, I imagine as well, like you're saying, like that's going to be part of this new offering in a way that like in the end, regardless of how they're spinning it, which is like, yeah, we're going to give you more flexibility and whatnot. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, there's no chance whatsoever that I will not end up paying more for less. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's going to be the end result. Yeah. You're, that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. I uh, totally agree with, I think almost everything that you, that you had said. And, and when, uh, when I eventually did get to uh, 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 Ken's statement here, I mean, it is, it's worded in a very specific way. I think oftentimes um you know, when you get big press releases like this and, you know, you get, uh, you're announcing something as big and as, um, as kind of, you know, widespread and newsworthy, like you're, like you're talking about as like ending a program that has been around for a while that is like, you know, it, it is a, it's a status symbol, I think for a lot of people and a lot of people, it's just built into their routine is like, of course, I'm going to be been an annual pass holder for this long I'm going to continue it. My family are annual pass holders. Their family are annual pass holders, yada, 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 yada. So, I mean, there's just like, there's a routine. There's an expectation for a lot of people, which is like you're saying why there's so much, uh, why there's so much kind of outrage or, or at least people kind of chirping uh, quite a bit about it. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, like I said, you go back to his initial statement um, and the, the words that kind of uh really jumped out at me obviously the reference the, he's referencing these systems the old and the new in two completely different ways which right suggests that whatever this new system is whenever we see it we may not see it for a while right mm -hmm. like it might be hey we're not going to introduce this system until a we're back up to like 75 to 100 percent capacity again and the initial kind of fervor of just Disneyland's open again until that starts dying down and they need to kind of juice up those numbers again. Like we may not even, who knows how long that's going to be. So we may not even see this new system introduced, but the fact that they specifically refer to the old system that they're quote unquote sunsetting as the annual pass, uh, as the annual passport system and the new system, whatever that ends up being as a, as new membership offerings, like <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, uh, a discrepancy there and there's definitely that's, that's significant, um, for whatever that means. I mean, it's, you know, and then of course, like you pointed out, 
you know, there you this back the, the fact that he specifically calls out consumer insights to deliver choice, flexibility, and value. So um, it, it it probably means that. Uh, well, the the immediate thoughts that entered my head when I read that were, um, you know, it whatever we get is going to be, it's probably going to be more streamlined. So, uh, you know, it, right now there's tons of different pass offerings. You have like local passes, you have premier pass, you have flex pass, you have, you know, uh, uh, signature pass, all of this kind of stuff. And they all kind of come with various different perks, usually around uh, blackout dates or availability, um, obviously, local passes are where you live. But anyway, it gives them an opportunity to, like you said, just kind of look at that and just throw all of that out. Nobody's grandfathered into any plan. Um, so, you know, uh, they can they can reduce they, they could potentially come out with fewer uh, offerings that maybe offer uh, some flexibility. And by flexibility, you know, it made me immediately think of not even just like blackout dates and like the membership offerings, like levels of passes, but more like, you know, the flex pass, because it seems like everything we've heard that like the, the flex pass has been relatively, uh, they would, they look at it as a success. And it's like, you know, for, for everyone that doesn't remember, it's a relatively newer offering. Or if you're from, you know, if you're not from Disneyland, um, it's basically you have it at least i think it went up to the last increase was like what 650 700 bucks something like that a year and you can have two reservations uh you can have two reservations out at a time basically you you look at the the calendar well so i should i should i should go back so the whole flex pass is built around like a reservation system so traditionally these uh pass these pass uh these annual passes are built around blackout dates so as long as you know you're not going to the park on a blackout date that's associated with your pass you're good to go you can just walk in you don't have to worry about it um but for the flex pass specifically there are days that are like that where you can just kind of walk in and then there are and those are very few and far between and then most of the time you have to create a reservation and there are like three different reservations. There's, there's two reservations around a single park. So one for Disneyland, one for DCA, and then one that's both parks. Um, you can only, I think it's 30 days out is, is the maximum amount of time that you can book a reservation and you can only have two reservations at a time. So, uh, and you're not allowed to make a new reservation, until after, you know, you've used one of them. So the idea that you could block out like a full week is just, it's not possible with the flex pass. Like technically, I guess you could luck out and, you know, book for uh, a day or two out um, after you've used one and just kind of rotate your reservations like that or, or cycle through your reservations like that if you're lucky and it's not booked up. But, uh, but regardless, it, it gives them some element of control. I feel like, dude, the sense that I'm getting with all of this wording around, uh, you know, flexibility and value and whatnot is that a lot of these park, uh, a lot of these park passes that are going to start coming out, these, these, uh, new membership offerings are going to be built around some, some kind of that functionality so that rather than, and it's not going to be like a simple change, right? Because they would just keep calling it 
the annual passport system, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a whole new, wouldn't be like, hey, we're ending the current program. This is like, we're we're looking at, obviously like they're going to be looking at a system like this, a, 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 a membership like this in a completely different way. So uh, rather than blackout dates, like they could be doing something where, you know, let's say you can, um, you can have more reservations out or mm-hmm. you can only have reservations on certain days or, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, they're, they're, again, they specifically are using <laughs> consumer insights to deliver choice. So it's like, there's going to be tiers perhaps, right? Like where if, you know, eat, the days of the week are broken out to tiers where it's like low capacity days are going to be one category and and those are available to almost everybody, but then like weekends are available to others. And then it's just like, it. it's going to be, they're going to slice it in a way so that I think certainly the flex pass, because the flex pass was like, an incredible value. It almost was, it really was basically, um, you know, if you were only going for like a couple of days or maybe, you know, could build your schedule around one of the like free days and then have two reservations to build like three days, you could really get a ton of value out of that, uh, out of that flex pass. And so, yeah, I just, I think that's probably not going to happen. And, you know, because the, Obviously, because the local population makes up so much of the annual pass holder uh, population, and that is just like there's tons of people that live in the area that have annual pass hold, uh, passports. They're gonna be they're gonna be looking to uh, to maybe make a little bit more uh, cash off of those people, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean. I think you're definitely right about the reservation. I think it's going to be, I think it, it's twofold. I think just because the reservation system is going to be with us. I mean, it may just be something that's with us for forever at this point. You never know. Yeah. Uh, so I think the basically. Especially if you're a pass holder, right? Yeah. Or, a, or a membership well, I think, owner. I, well, I think it's just going to be something we're going to have to live with, period. It's just they're going to start mm. using it as a way to uh, keep to monitor their like uh, their guest capacity uh, in, in the parks. So, I mean, there's still going to be some uh, some flexibility for people who walk in day of. But I think they're going to use a lot of reservations to to work with as far as people like planning trips um so i think like the the new annual passport system is going to be focused around reservations and i think you're going to have yeah they're going to basically tier their uh their new whatever system around how many reservations or how easy it is for you to get reservations where maybe you have like the lower tier you like you said you only have like two two to three that you can have whereas uh maybe in the mid tier you can have up to five whereas maybe at the upper tier um you can have more but or maybe you just have you can you can have five, but you can have whatever day you choose. You know, they can do all kinds <laughs> yeah. of different stuff on it. It's like you you're never basically blocked out, but you still have to get reservations. So at least they yeah. know you're coming. Um, 
So I don't know. I think I think it's going to be focused around reservations. I think they are going to like remove some of those perks that you know were previously there, like you know free parking. Uh, I think they're going to remove that, so you're actually having to pay for parking if you're if you're mm-hmm. on site with a, a vehicle, um, unless you're like at the highest pass, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you never know. They may take it away from that. Um, but I think they're going to be yeah. messing around with a lot of that stuff. And, uh, and it's going to, they're going to be doing it. I, I think doing something with the reservations is going to make people feel more special, I guess. Uh, like, you know, being able to have less of a issue getting your reservations is going to probably be a, a bigger deal for people moving forward when these reservation system comes online here at uh, Disneyland just because, I mean, one of the, like you said, since most of the annual pass holders were locals, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people who are just like, hey, you know, I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to Disneyland, you know, and they would just, they just roll in and, uh, and it's not going to be like that anymore. It's going to be like, hey, you're, yeah, you have you're local. We have a special locals annual pass for you, but you can only have one reservation at a time. <laughs> it's going to be something yeah. like that. <laughs> so I'd almost be surprised if they do still have a local thing, like, or maybe it will be, you know, maybe it'll come out way after, but you know, to your point, like I know so many locals that are just like, yeah, we just go every weekend to the park or like, you know, yeah, we'll just go to, we'll just go into the park for a few hours after work and we'll ride like Radiator Springs and then we'll eat dinner and then we'll go. And it's like, you know, I just have to imagine like, you know, Disney is looking at all of that activity and especially now where, you know, I mean, I I guess their finances are improving, but still like it's, you know, they're, (laughs) they're pulling out of, a pretty pretty hefty death spiral here that they've been in for uh the last almost a year now and so they have to be looking at like well any time that we can ensure that somebody entering the park is like someone that is here to spend as much money as possible um is going to is going to be what they're going for right like even if even if the annual pass holders coming more frequently and they are spending money on merch and food. Um, and so maybe over time it adds up. I'm sure they're still looking at like a per ticket basis or per person basis and saying like, the more we can get peep each individual spending more money during each trip is preferable to the person that over time spends a decent amount of money. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. They could even do something like I wouldn't put it past them. Put make some kind of like uh, special pass that is like, yeah, you can have like in a month's time you have so many like allotment of reservations, uh, yeah. and then you can you have free parking and you so you can go to downtown Disney at any point, and that would be like the mm. locals pass mm. so it, yeah it, that's right so sure. I, I think they could it's like a perk as opposed to like a specific pass right like yeah the local perk is that they get free parking yeah and it and it'll be super limited but yeah. i mean they can still get in at some point it, so it's 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 i mean 
it's going to be something, but I, I think they'll come up something for locals. It's just going to be very limited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to. Yeah, it's definitely, man, it's crazy to think that uh, how things are going to change. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little worried, but uh, but I guess we'll see, man. I mean, you could definitely see from their perspective, just like what you were saying, you know, you look at uh, – you look at how things went with Disney World when they opened with their annual pass holders and, you know, who of course, were also forced to get reservations. Um, you know, they definitely – and speaking of that, uh, since, you know, with Disney World, they're also now – I was just reading today from a few different places that I guess Disney World is not – is still not offering any new – passports any new annual passes to people so if you have one already you can renew it uh, with the exception of the premier pass which also seems like it's getting sunsetted so premier pass you know gives you access to disneyland disney world obviously uh you know a little difficult with no disneyland being open for you to get full value for that pass so initially they were giving like refunds on uh the Disneyland portion, but now it sounds like if you're when your premier pass expires, you have the option of changing that to a Disney World pass, but you do not have the option of renewing it. So it sounds like that is at least for the time being uh, also sunsetting. And yeah, and yeah, and so if you're if, if you're looking to buy a new Disneyland, uh, sorry, Disney World, if you're looking to buy a Disney World annual pass, you cannot do that. So there's a lot of questions in terms of, is that getting sunsetted as well? I would, I, I would imagine that, you know, if that, if, if, if uh, maybe they're going to wait to see what happens at Disneyland and then do that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, much less impactful, of course, because there's less of a local population, um, doing the annual pass program, but still, um, you know, they, they got a lot of bad press when pass holders were just super frustrated. Obviously they're very limited in terms of when they, uh, could go and it. And by all accounts, I mean, we don't know, we don't know what the back end of their, uh, reservation system looked like. It was pretty clear that they were really pushing and favoring resort guests and single ticket, purchasers in that there was just more reservations available for them, less reservations available for annual pass holders. And and so you just had a lot of really salty, angry people. Totally makes sense given that situation. Um, And so obviously I'm sure a lot of people got refunds and, you know, I don't know. It sounds like Universal is trying to poach as many people as possible over there, which makes sense, I guess. Uh, But still, um, you know, it almost, it makes sense from a PR perspective, better to have a disappointed short-term disappointed, uh, pass holder than just like a really angry pass holder. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I, I imagine they're going to change the system depending on how well, yeah, the Disneyland changes go over. And it, I mean, it, it's a little bit harder to overhaul their system since it's actually, you know, currently being used. Um, yeah. It, totally. So uh, I think they, they want to see how well it goes over before they try and do any changes to theirs, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with for Disneyland and um, 
But yeah, yeah like you said, it's probably going to be a while because, I mean, who knows when it'll actually, like, once they even open up, we're not even sure how open they'll be able to be. <laughs> so, um, you know, they may finally yeah, be able or, to, or when. <laughs> yeah, when they finally open up, I mean, it, it, they may only be able to be open for locals only, which is kind of interesting since, you know, most of their annual pass holders were locals. So they're going to want those people actually paying for the day to day tickets instead of paying yeah. one lump sum. But, um, you know be interesting for sure well that's that's happening i mean now with uh with everyone's refund that they're getting you know they they can get a couple of tickets here and there oh yeah we'll have to see how that one goes but uh but yeah you know we were just talking about disney world and and uh you know they wanted to get in on a little bit of the uh the disappointment uh train as well mm-hmm. they have a couple of perks that they're discontinuing uh, and, and they're very popular perks as well. So first up, we have um, we have Disney announcing that they will be ending their Magical Express bus service on January 1st of next year. Um, and this was one of those complimentary perks that was really, uh, you know, is really, I guess, for this year while it's still going on. It's still uh, it's still a pretty big deal in that, you know, as long as you're staying at a room on site at, the, at one of the Disneyland resort hotels, uh, you basically can, you know, uh, put a luggage tag that they send you onto your, actually, I take that back. They've officially, I think, stopped that service. But yeah. traditionally what you've been able to do is, you know, they would send you a luggage tag. You would put that tag on your checked luggage. Um, and then when you showed up, uh, to Orlando Airport, you didn't even have to collect your luggage. The, the Magical Express service would grab your bag, deliver it directly to your room, and really all you would need to do from the airport is just hop on the bus that was going to take you to your individual resort and just, you know, go there. And again, like for so many people that have been going to the Disney World Resort for quite a long time, you know, uh, and there were a lot of comments echoing this as well on Reddit and Facebook and whatnot. This was all part of that kind of like introductory magic for people and just all part of that nostalgic experience. And, you know, for Disney's part, it helped, it helped prevent people from renting cars and uh, it helped keep people within the, the kind of bubble of Disney world. So, um, you know, definitely a bit of a, uh, a letdown for sure for a lot of people that that is um, that that's no longer going to be a thing. So again, I mean, technically it ends in 2022. It's January 1st of 2022. So this will be the last year of the magical bus service. It is run by a third party that has said that they do plan to continue some type of transportation service from the airport to the Disneyland Resort hotels. Uh, it's probably not going to be complimentary though. So yeah. uh, you will have to pay for that. I'm guessing it'll be like what the um, the older bus service for Disneyland was, which no longer is a thing either. Um, or it was the same thing they have it for Paris as well, where it's operated by a third-party company. What is it? It was like 20 bucks per way to go from um, uh, Charles de Gaulle Airport to Disneyland Paris. So... Uh, so it'll probably be pretty similar to that. Pretty painless operation. Still a bit of a bummer. I mean, again, 
like you always bring up Henry, it's not just like the one per, it's not the per person cost that you have to factor in to factor in that a lot of people are coming with families. uh, And so then it just becomes an exponential cost, right? Like $20 per person per way for a family of four is, it gets real expensive. And maybe that's okay when you factor in the overall trip, but this is one of these, this is the sting of what was once free is now going to cost you something. And, you know, it's a little less magical. There's also that train service that's going to start. I believe that's not until 2023. So we're going to have a little gap here where there just won't be any, well, I mean, I guess it depends. Potentially we're going to have a service from this third party company that will, you know, charge you. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a bummer, man. That was, uh, that was one of the cool things was just like, Hey man, just plan on getting to the airport. And then once you're there, we got it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it helped to like, uh, one less thing to worry about. Like, cause I think, you know, since a lot of people are traveling from out of state to, uh, you know, to the magic kingdom, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, you, you know, some people don't like a uh, flying period and then to like, Oh, you have to fly in and then you have to find your way there. I mean, having one less thing uh, to have to worry about. Plus, like you noted, it keeps the, the, you know, the guest in the kind of close proximity to Disneyland. So they kind of stay within that like Disney uh, ecosystem of staying like you're at the hotel, you're at the park, and then you're at uh, Disney Springs, maybe, or you're, you're, frequenting their like restaurants and stuff so uh it kind of keeps them there but if you if you have to rent a car if i'm paying for a car i'm probably going to go somewhere else like universals (laughs) so uh so you're they it i'm sure they'll they won't it won't hurt them that bad but still right clearly Clearly, this is a calculated price conscious thing. And I mean, it, we started seeing this these kinds of cuts being made um, uh, earlier in the year, too, because we had the minivan service that was ended mm-hmm. as well, which was their kind of in-house kind of shuttle service within the theme park resource, uh, resort area. It did cost money. I think it did still go through the Lyft app. But, uh, but, you know, it was like a transportation option mm-hmm. and that, uh, that was ended as well. So yeah, it seems like that's been the, any of those kinds of transportation services, at least the onsite transportation services has been, uh, has been under the microscope and getting the ax lately. So yeah, maybe not that surprising, but it's, it is funny. We were just talking about this, uh, a, a, a few episodes ago where we were saying that like one of the biggest things that we loved about the, uh, Disneyland resort that we wished carried over to Disneyland was just transportation to and from the airport. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that, that, that is not something that Disney world will have over Disneyland for very long. Yeah. But then again, you never know. They may come out with like a, a new uh, type of plan where maybe they're going through that third party and you pay for that, you know, it's in your path. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. They could do that. Hyperloop. They're gonna they're gonna announce the Disney Hyperloop. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get sucked in a nomadic tube all the way over to uh <laughs> to your resort. That would be something. I'd be down with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and like I said, it's like it's um I 
I used this service again, totally third party service. Didn't I, I'm sure they, you know, pay some royalty to Disney, but it was not a Disney service. It was uh, whatever the service running the airport buses were from to and from Disneyland in Paris. And it was like super painless and, uh, and relatively easy. So if, if it's anything like that should be totally fine. Just like I said, kind of a, kind of a bummer in a year where we're already seeing a lot of these perks kind of roll off like magic bands. It's another one that's going to be missed. We also have um, going away extra magic hours, which is now being replaced by a new offering that they are calling early theme park entry. So is no official start date yet. We do know that this replacement perk is basically just, uh, it's going to be, if you're staying at a Disney World resort, you will be able to enter any of the four parks uh, 30 minutes early, which is nice. It's not as generous as the previous program. Um, a little bit more flexibility, though. The previous program was basically, it was, uh, it was, I don't know, it was a little random at times, but it was built into the calendar. So you could look at any given week, see which park every day had a, um, every day had a extra magic hour kind of block associated to it. And it could be in the morning, it could be in the evening, and it could be at any of the four parks. So like I said, it felt, it felt a little, not necessarily random, but you definitely had to be pretty nimble in your planning if you were hoping to take advantage of it. Um, because it could be all over the place. Usually within a week, it touched all four parks, I believe. But um, but yeah, sometimes it would be like you'd be at Magic Kingdom in the morning for extra magic hours, and then it was like, oh, or Epcot in the evening. Um, and it was anywhere from one to two hours extra. So you could totally score, and it could be totally awesome. Uh, of course, there are plenty of people, too, that actually – did the opposite and they planned to not be in the park for extra magic hours because they knew that after extra magic hours, it's going to be a more crowded park, especially if you didn't have park hopper. So, uh, it was, it was a little bit of extra planning that people could do to take advantage of that, but that's going away 30 extra minutes. I mean, it's nice. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, it's nice to have that flexibility for sure. This is, this is kind of, I mean, along with, I mean, we were talking about I think it was this, was it this program that Tokyo Disney was implementing too? Just paid? Yeah, yeah, I think they, I think they had something, I think you mentioned before that they have like a, a paid program as well. But yeah, for, for Tokyo, it makes more sense because the, the park is always just slammed and you need yeah every, every yeah. minute you can get in that park. It, is a is a benefit but uh yeah. 30 minutes at you know magic kingdom i don't know i, I mean do we have a price for this or i know mean, so there's no price it's complimentary oh yeah yeah so okay it's just replacing that um and i mean there were so yeah it it got a little complicated when you were talking about kind of early and late uh, entry for parks because you did have the complimentary systems, which was the extra magic hours. Then you had the paid for access, early access, which was like extra magic, or it was like a little extra magic or something like, I forget what their program was called, but yeah, you paid to get even more time within the park 
before or after closing. And what I heard of, like a lot of people really enjoyed about it was obviously you could access the more popular rides a little earlier, but, um, but it also allowed a lot of people, especially like family members to have, you know, like a meal, breakfast, maybe a late dinner, something like that. Um, before just like the super crazy crowds of people hit. So it was a little bit, even though, you know, you'd be getting to the park like six o'clock in the morning, basically. Um, it still allowed for kind of like a slower, more mellow, methodical beginning of your day as opposed to, um, I don't know about you, but it's uh, the beginning of the day is always probably the most hectic time for me um, at a Disney park. Yeah, I think that's pretty much, you know, you're you're trying to, you know, go through all the, the security, you know, trying to get into the park. And then once you're in the park, you have to get your bearings and, you know, hopefully you know what you're going to hit first. And then, like, uh, I think we always had kind of a, a normal plan. So we're generally okay in the morning. It's just trying to get through security and then into the park. And then we get our first like uh you know fast pass and then and then we go get a coffee yeah yeah exactly i'm i'm set i use it as like i'm setting pace Mm -hmm. right it's like okay right you knock off the big one maybe if you're if you're getting uh paper fast passes you get your other fast pass and you're like all right i've got these two like locked in i can kind of pace my day a little bit more that first fast pass dude is like that is the pace setter that was like I, I remember it, uh, yeah, like we were talking about Tokyo Disneyland. It was like um, just getting getting that first ride and that first fast pass was like super stressful. But then after that, it was like, man, I can really enjoy the park now. Like everything is just falling into place. I can kind of see my schedule throughout the rest of the day now that like I have that fast pass locked in. I know exactly when I'm going to be on this ride. I know exactly when I can get my next fast pass so I can start planning that ahead. But it's like, now there's no rush. Now I can enjoy myself. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, uh, it's a good time. I guess it is kind of like you, I mean, because you basically, you usually go in there with a, a general idea of like what you want to accomplish. Uh, oh, yes. And then, uh, you know, after you get that first fast pass, it's kind of like setting everything what you can do at that point because you can't yeah. you can't get another fast pass until that one is is used so yep um and you or you know that time slot that you can get one at that point so um yeah i can see that different thing it's a bit of a different thing at disney world or at least yeah. it has been well it still had its fast pass program where you know you were booking stuff out like 30 to 60 days in advance so a little bit different uh kind of process between Disney world and Disneyland. But, uh, but regardless, yeah, it, uh, again, it'll be, it's just, it's one of those kinds of changes that, you know, at least with this, um, at least with the new early entry, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that affects. I mean, you're right. Like it, it might not as have as much of an effect, but it's, it's still like, you know, I don't know. It's another change, man. It's a lot of changes going on. Henry. Yeah. I mean, at least it's 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 not going to cost you anything. Um, it's basically, yeah. I think they're just basically getting you into the parks. So you don't you you go through less of a stress of getting into the park, getting into the park basically, and you can kind of get your bearings while everybody is just 
funneling in at that point. So it's it's just kind of like a before it seemed like you could do more beforehand. Whereas with this, it's basically you get your bearings before everybody else. So you're just kind of like getting it's like a head start instead of like you're you're boom doing something. So it's oh (laughs) yeah. I mean, well, any little extra bit helps. I think it was a I think it was a half an hour at Shanghai as well, and that was fine. That was still like a comfortable amount of uh, of uh, head start to get moving. So I mean it. I certainly could be fine. And, and like we've seen with everything, it's, I, if it's not working, I'm sure they'll adjust it. So yeah, it's just a, we'll have to wait and see. We have no idea when it's starting even. So who knows? They could, they could wait until uh, things get moving a little more and they can, they can bring in more people so that things are distributed a little bit uh, more evenly. But yeah, I don't know. Again, wait and see a lot of waiting and a lot of seeing we'll be doing. Um, so, we uh we got some disappointing news out of Disneyland, disappointing news out of Disney World. Is there more disappointment out there, Henry? Yes, there is. Yes. Yeah, there's more <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> two more two more uh disappointing little bits of news here, but they're they're quick at least. So quick and uh painful. But Disneyland Paris, um, they uh they're also uh pushing things back a little bit. So initially they were planning on being reopened for February uh, because of the current COVID lockdowns. Right now it's looking like April 2nd is what they're retargeting. So uh, so since reopening initially uh, last year, they've only been open three and a half months since they closed down for COVID. So they have uh, they have definitely opened and closed very quickly. Uh, and they're going to be that way for another couple of months, hopefully. Uh, and then we also have Universal Japan also getting into the pushback game uh, because they announced that there is an indefinite delay for Super Nintendo World. So we've been getting a, a, a big blitz of information and PR and news about that. Uh, excitement is running high. And yeah, they've had to hit the brakes. I guess there's a, there's a major COVID outbreak going on in Japan too. It'll be interesting to see what goes on with the uh, the Olympics, which have already been delayed a year. What do you think, Henry? Is that uh, the Olympics going to happen or not? I don't know because I think their like state of they their state of emergency. I think it ends like I think they wanted to open what around February third, and I think their state of emergency ends at like. February 7th or something like that. So yeah. at that point they can maybe figure out a, a new opening day. But uh yeah, I don't know what's going to go on as far as the opening of Super Nintendo World, but then yeah, Olympics. Oh man. That's that's just like a whole nother nightmare to try and figure <laughs> out. <laughs> Nothing sounds better in a global pandemic than bringing individuals in from all corners of the earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy jeez. Yeah, it uh, definitely a bit of a challenge they have going there. But, I mean, they did a pretty good job, it seems like, at least during the initial wave. They were able to open up pretty quickly again afterwards. So, fingers crossed there because, man, we, we really want to see Super Nintendo World. So, that, uh, yeah, I mean, and and, you know. I mean, we want everyone to be healthy over there too. We uh, 
So, you know, there's just yeah, a lot of challenges going on, a lot of disappointment, but like I said, hopefully a quick turnaround. But you know what? Let's end things on a high note here, Henry. So we uh, we also had over this last week the OC Register report that uh, 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 initially when Disney Imagineering was planning their re-theme for Tower of Terror at DCA, both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange were brought up as possibilities. I definitely want to get your take here, but uh, this is all from uh, the legendary, now retired, Imagineer Joe Rohde, who was the lead Imagineer on the re-theme project, but he was quoted as saying, we ran a couple of ideas. Uh, we could do Doctor Strange. That would work really, really well in almost what Tower of Terror is. Spider-Man needs some space. It's a different thing. And then we had Guardians that was also floating around. And I guess initially was not a big fan of the Guardians idea, warmed up to it over time. Interestingly enough, we're still getting Spider-Man. We're still getting Doctor Strange in different capacities throughout uh, Avengers Campus, right? But uh, but yeah, Henry, I'm really curious on what your thoughts were. Just to, just to think about like Spider-Man or, or Doctor Strange-themed Tower of Terror. Well, I think Spider-Man to me sounds like it would work better because the whole idea of you could work in the fact that like he's using his his webbing to kind of like catch the the elevator and hold yeah. you and and pull you up or save you or and stuff that that kind of makes more sense plus spider-man is a known property known by a lot yeah. of people whereas dr strange i think still isn't a lot of pe- a lot of people aren't still like in love with Doctor Strange, and he's very very unknown outside of his one movie uh, or his appearances yeah. in the movies, which is still Avengers. Yeah, he's like he's a he's like a solid BC level yeah, hero. Yeah, right I mean he's, I mean considering his power level in the Marvel universe, he's like, like you know an omega uh, an omega tier hero as far as as power goes but is that good uh, yeah that's the highest you can get is basically omega level um uh i mean i guess there's one higher that would be like maybe cosmic which might be people might consider above omega level but uh you know but as far as his notoriety as far as outside of comics it's very very minimal and i think the idea of trying to make a ride around him without him being more known is kind of didn't sound like a, a maybe a great idea at that point. I mean, they would have more leeway, but I don't think people would be like super hyped for it. I mean, it's still a ride, so people would still ride it. I don't know. It just seems like something that, you know, you would, you wouldn't want to, use you would want to use a more known property for that ride yeah so and with yeah. at least with a uh, guardians of the galaxy you can use the music so that sets a better mood and i mean it i still think maybe spider-man would work better but i think with spider-man you have a lot more opportunities outside of you want to give him something that is his own that's really focused around him instead of trying to do a uh, re-theme or uh, yeah. of, of an existing ride. I think he deserves sure. that. 
and hence why he's getting one, yeah. right? But yeah, that was uh, that was my initial feeling too. Was like I was actually surprised to hear that. Uh, though I guess it again, this is why he uh, this is why he is the the legend that he is. But uh, yeah, I was surprised to hear that Rhodey was not uh, was not feeling the Spider Man idea, or that he felt it was too constricted because it was like the mechanic of like kind of dangling on a uh, on a thread. Uh, and that kind of just like free fall and the idea of, yeah, like these screens where it's like Spider-Man's trying to hold up your elevator, like you were saying, but he keeps on getting like attacked by like, you know, different like canon villains uh, that uh, everyone recognizes. And, you know, because he's fighting with like Green Goblin, for instance, like he has to let go or he gets like the web cut. And so you fall and then you fall to the next screen where he catches. It's just, it seems like it makes sense in terms of the, the beats of the ride versus the, uh, the character. But, um, but yeah, it was just, again, it's always so much fun to hear about these different ideas that were flying around. And clearly, you know, they were, they were all in on this idea that this was going to be Marvel and perhaps even that Avengers campus was on the horizon. Yeah, I think too, if you look at it, is like, how would they like with, because with Spider Man, what you have is, is, is a merch machine with Spider Man. Like, yeah. Spider Man sells the most merch, bar none, above any other superhero out there, uh, comic book wise. Even, even Batman is a distant second to Spider Man. And I don't know how, like, you know, with, with the the retheme of Tower of Terror, like I don't know how you would like really get a good merch like out of that. I mean, you could definitely get merch. You know, you get you could sell shirts, but like they were smart on doing a whole another ride where you can do like spider bots and stuff, so you can merchandise it. Even you can get more merchandise out of it. So, yeah, I think that was a smart way to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes sense, man. Um, hey, man, I'll tell you something else that uh, that hit my radar. This I guess it was this last week was um, uh, there's this, uh, there's a great YouTube channel called Defunct Land, which it generally covers. It's a documentary series on kind of older defunct theme park attractions and rides. Generally, the the focus is around Disney, though. He covers a lot of other uh, parks and attractions as well. But it's really fantastic content that uh, I think it's Kevin Perger is the guy's name that puts it together. Um, that he, it's just like, it feels like you're watching like a very high budget, uh, kind of high profile documentary uh, with, with each video. So it's very well done. But his whole, he's had this vision for quite a while, for the last few years. I don't know if initially when he started the the uh, channel and the the kind of content, if this was part of his idea, but it came out, came about pretty soon. But he had this idea of building kind of a virtual reality version of defunct land that housed kind of all of these defunct attractions that had been recreated in, um, in you know in uh in some kind of game engine I, f- I think he uses what does he use like unity or something like that um to kind of bring back some of these older disney rides and attractions to life and that they can be experienced in vr so anyway this has been something that's been kicking around over there for quite a while 
And uh, obviously, it's uh, it's of interest to me because I do with my YouTube channel, Adventures in VR, uh, pretty much focus on Disney parks and recording rides and attractions and walkthroughs in uh, 360 video, also for the purpose of kind of uh, not just enjoying them because, you know, Disney rides and just Disney parks, it's just like... Uh, you know, the the uh, incredible aspects of each of those rides and the artistry, it's just all around you at all times. And so usually like a traditional kind of 16 by 9 flat video, I've always felt like doesn't fully capture the experience. Uh, so to kind of share a lot of these experiences that maybe some of these parks have that are inaccessible to people, but also just to preserve a lot of these rides and attractions. Like there's already stuff that I've captured that uh, for rides and that have closed at various different Disney parks around the world. And so it's just kind of like this cool, almost like time capsule. So the fact that he's been, like I said, planning this has been of interest. But anyway, I know this was a long, this was a long windup. <laughs> but uh, but uh, he just came out with his first attraction. And it is, it's a Disney World uh, ride, but it's their 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea submarine ride. And it is so well done. I, I think it's not quite done yet. Um, and, you know, it's not like, uh, it's just basically a 360 video within the engine. Um, but, uh, so it's not it's not fully interactive quite yet. But it is, uh, what he shows off is so much fun, man. Like, they've recreated basically you sitting in the sub as it as it goes around the track and you look out your porthole and they've recreated everything that you would normally see um out in the kind of attraction and in 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 the underwater scenes um he's completed it completely in engine and they've got the audio loop and spiel that you would normally hear during the 20,000 leagues under the sea ride former 20,000 leagues under the sea ride um, they've got that full audio playing and it's synced up beautifully. And really, like I said, it was just so much fun to watch. I mean, it's one of, uh, it was one of those rides that because we're on the West coast, we never got the 20,000 leagues under the sea version of it. Ours was always the, uh, the submarine voyage version, which wasn't themed around the Jules Verne Disney movie. Uh, but, uh, but it was, it's obviously very similar, but still it was kind of like, a, it was this great mix of nostalgia as I was watching it and uh, a great mix of kind of experiencing this ride that I never got to experience as a kid uh, that I always wanted to as soon as I heard that there was like a, a version of uh, the submarine ride that was like, you could ride the Nautilus instead of some kind of unnamed yellow submarine, uh, which was pretty cool at that time too. Um <clears throat> or blue or gray submarine. I think they were gray when I was riding them as a kid. Maybe they were blue. I don't remember now. But uh, but anyway, the fact that, you know, I could completely check that out for the first time was, uh, was such a great experience. So I can't recommend that enough. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, Defunct Land on YouTube. They've got the full video up. Uh, all of their content's fantastic, but uh, but it's especially great to see that they are making good on their initial uh, on their initial kind of goal of recreating a lot of this stuff. And it sounds like he's got a little bit of a team that's uh, that's all volunteering around doing these experiences. So hopefully there's more to come. Hopefully it doesn't get shut down by Disney. <laughs> we'll see. Oh. 
we'll see how that happens. That's but, interesting, uh, though, yeah. that you actually brought this up because I finally, uh, because of uh, Sony Play PlayStation's like holiday sale, I finally picked up Dreams for the PSVR, and somebody oh, yeah. and. If you're not familiar with what Dreams is, Dreams is a basically it's it's a a game where you can actually build your own game uh, or elements game elements in VR and uh, it's like a virtual reality sandbox, pretty right? much. And yeah. and beside other than you can you can build your stuff or you can experienced stuff that other people have built and apparently right. somebody went through and they built uh the haunted mansion uh space mountain and um, and the Ooh. indiana jones ride oh yeah so oh, yeah, baby. uh and and i just got it so and i'm planning to check those out i've seen i've cool. seen a video of the haunted mansion and it was really good like he literally had the uh the whole stretch room and everything and i was actually really impressed from just the i didn't want to watch too much of it on youtube uh but uh i i want to experience it for myself in vr with the psvr so i'm kind of excited for Dude. that it just took me forever to because <laughs> of my uh internet connection uh it took me a while to download it i think i literally downloaded it like this weekend so uh, mm. uh sure. i haven't had a chance yet to go in i have to not only like load it up but i have to find that that content but uh i'm sure i will <laughs> but that's exciting man well i uh hopefully henry you'll have a chance to check it out before the next episode because man i would love uh i would love to hear your take on that an update the question too i have for the uh for the indiana jones ride do they program in just how janky a lot of the effects have become <laughs> like do do they do they program in like that eh? Maybe like one out of a hundred times the boulder is not going to work right <laughs> or the flame effect isn't going to fire or like, you know, that that room that has like the rats that run across the ceiling. Like, yeah, it's just black. <laughs> There's no effect that's flaying right now. Does all of that uh, get programmed in? And if, and if they don't, like if they're if they have created just the ideal version of it, the pristine version of it, is it like a little uncanny valley where, you know. Like uh, you just as a human being have just you expect defects in all things. And so when you're presented with a pristine version of something where you expect defects of just doesn't feel right. feels <laughs> off. feels creepy. Well, I mean, I doubt that they put in it. They actually programmed in for it to break down. But I would be more interested to find out like they do the cue. So I wonder if they're going to have oh. like the the uh, the wobbly uh, pillar, the bamboo mm -hmm. that uh, you can move, and then the uh, the rope you can pull and hear, you know, stop the well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'd be, be more cool. interested in that and if and what they do as far as like uh, Sala's little introduction to if they actually have that because they had the stretch room. And they actually had the whole audio of uh, the uh, narrator for the Haunted Mansion 
talking about it. Mm. I, I didn't get to, I didn't watch to see if you actually can look up and see his, his hanging corpse, but I, pretty sure he, he did so uh it's it's gonna be interesting definitely interesting yeah so i'm looking forward to that update henry i want it <laughs> i want it to be great let us know uh, we'll do well cool man that i'll tell you what that's something to look forward to i want it well that just about does it for today Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you made it this far, you're hopefully enjoying the podcast, so don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. Always makes us happy. This has been episode 44 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Until then... Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, I'll talk to you soon. I want to hear about this Indiana Jones ride. (laughs) Peace out, man. (laughs) Bye. Bye.